Things with Matt and Tom, where we talk about the big things that get little attention. And in today's show, we're going to be talking with Father Tim Dieter about the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Little Big Things with Matt and Tom, where we talk about the big things that get little attention. And here today we have Father Tim Dieter joining us this morning, and he's going to open us with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, when you died on the cross, you gave us the gift of your forgiveness. And when you rose from the dead and appeared to the apostles on Easter Sunday night, you gave us the means to access that forgiveness through the sacrament of penance, through your priests whom you've anointed to impart your forgiveness to us. Help us to appreciate the importance of this sacrament and to want to receive it not as a punishment, but as a means of healing and grace. We ask this in your blessed name, Jesus, for you are our Lord and Savior forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, so, Father, we just wanted to talk about the Sacrament of Reconciliation with you today. Um, We just find ourselves that it's often the overlooked sacrament, um, particularly amongst the youth. Um, There are those that they they truly love it, and they go once a week, once a month, as often as they can, but then we just find there's a lot of people who they're not going because they're embarrassed or they're not going because they, um, they've said that they've made their peace with God at home and that the God forgives them and he's an all-forgiving God. And I would say a lot of people aren't going to confession because it isn't taught in the schools, it isn't made available to them in the Catholic schools, and it isn't preached in the pulpit. You know, I, I think we don't talk about confessions. See, so this is one of those little big things that's made very little in the church. I think a lot of priests have given up on trying to get people to go to confession. And I find in my parish, when I talk about it, preach about it, make it available, and bring other priests in to hear confessions, we get a lot of people going. I was away last weekend, and um, we had another priest come in on Saturday, and he said it was nonstop confessions from 5 until 6. He couldn't stop them. They just kept coming. And I think priests who complain that people don't go to confession need to look at themselves and ask, do I really talk about it? Do I explain the importance of it? Do I emphasize the, the benefits of it and make it available to my people? Some parishes, it's only 15 minutes. You know, so. mm. oh, and some parishes um, I've been to, they say on the website, oh, half an hour before the Saturday evening Mass. But then when I've gone there, the, um, the confessional is actually full of uh, extra chairs and church gear because no one actually frequents confession and they mm. just sit on the back pew. Mm. And the, you have to ask Father before Mass mm. because mm-hmm. he's not there because no one ever mm-hmm. asks for confession. I think the basic understandings is that it is the sacrament of penance, of forgiveness. It's a sacrament yeah. of forgiveness, but the graces that are attached to it, I don't think we know much about the graces we get from confession in regards to helping us avoid sin in the future. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's really talked about. So can, mm-hmm. you, can you just tell us a little bit about some of the other graces that we get from going to the sacrament? Well, grace is another thing that's not talked about in, I know, in our curriculum for the Catholic schools. They never talk about grace. So the kids don't know what it is. Or they might think, oh, it's the prayer you say before a meal. Um, (laughs) The word grace in Latin, gratia, means gift. 
And so we do say a grace before a meal, thanking God for the gifts we are about to receive. But we forget that grace is God's gift of his spiritual life, his spiritual power, his spiritual energy that helps us to remain united to him, linked to him. Because our soul has to be filled with his grace in order to live as images of his son Jesus. So all the sacraments give grace, but I think the sacrament of penance gives a particular grace because it's not just about forgiving sins of the past. That's what most of us look upon it as, go and do your dirty laundry. But the sacrament gives us grace to avoid sin in the future. And people go to confession regularly, and I would say regularly really is once a month. But I think here in Australia, if you go four times a year, you're a fanatical Catholic. You know? um, but I think if you try to go regularly, um, that the grace can take effect. The problem is some people go once every five, ten years. That's like taking a vitamin pill once every five or ten years, or taking your medication for a serious illness once every five or ten years. You have to take the medication regularly, you know, as it's prescribed by the doctor. And I, I really think that when we go to confession regularly, God is able to fill us with his grace so that slowly but surely we start turning away from sin. And this is the problem for a lot of people that they don't understand it is a lifetime process of conversion. They think, well, I'll go to confession, I'll be a better person, and then they fall. And they feel bad and say, well, that didn't work. So they give up on confession. But St. Augustine once said, I am saved, but I'm yet to be saved. I'm redeemed, and I'm still being redeemed. So Catholics don't have this evangelical Protestant idea that once we're baptized, we're saved and it's done. You know, we believe that baptism is the beginning of a process of living in God's grace and the sacrament of penance or reconciliation or confession or the sacrament of healing or the sacrament of peace. All five names are used in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, by the way, and the official name is the sacrament of penance. But the more we receive this sacrament, the more we can have God's grace embedded in our souls and we can grow and change in a lifetime and be saved. Mm, exactly. And just on another note, different priests give different advice on confession. Um, I myself was once recommended to go once a year as a spring cleaning, um, which I didn't really... Well, it's springtime. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's a good time. That's we like right. to have your confession right now on the air. Okay. <laughs> and... Um, and the, the another one which we, we wanted clarification on, um, just your point of view on this, we've been told that if you're not in a state of grace and you're, you're in mortal sin, it's okay to receive communion if you go to confession directly after Mass. Okay, I want to go back to the idea of the frequency of confession first, and then we'll go to this idea of, yeah. of that. Because, again, you mentioned that the priest said you go to confession once a year. In my primary school here in Mount Lawley, we take our kids four times a year. We have several priests come and help me to hear their confessions. So they can at least say, my last confession was three months ago. Three months is a long time, but it's, it's pretty good considering that most people don't go hardly at all, maybe you know once a year, mm -hmm. maybe once every five years. But in Medjugorje, interestingly enough, Our Lady recommends that we go every month. And I found in my parish in Texas, that when a lot of people started following that message, that advice of Our Lady, Medjugorje, the discussion, put that aside. But the whole parish was transformed. The parish was transformed. Marriage problems were resolved. Kids who were having problems as teenagers settled down. And the parish really manifested God's grace 
There was so much goodness and so much joy in that parish. And it got to the point where confession time would be over and it would be time for me to begin the Saturday evening Mass. And I would just go on hearing confessions and the people didn't mind. They would just say a rosary while they were waiting for me to finish confessions. They'd have a public rosary. And um, people did not mind because they were seeing that the parish was growing in God's grace. So if we wonder why our lives are not working out the way we'd like them to, we wonder why we're always depressed, always having problems. I think it's because we're always living in sin. And not major sin, not mortal sin. I mean, hopefully, none of us are murderers or arsonists or rapists or bank robbers and things like that, you know. <laughs> but, and this is another reason why people don't go to confession. People say to me, well, Father, every time I go to confession, I'm confessing the same old things. So it's kind of useless, isn't it? And I'm not a bad person. No, you're not a bad person. But do you do your laundry regularly? Yes, because if you don't, you will stink and you'll have no friends. Do you wash your dishes regularly? Yes, because if you don't, your kitchen will be infested with vermin and the health department will condemn you. Do you cut your grass regularly? Yes, because if you don't, your grass will grow so tall that your friends won't be able to find your house. So if we are smart enough to wash our dishes regularly, even though we're going to get them dirty again, to cut our grass regularly, even though it's going to grow again, to do our clothes regularly, even though we're going to get them dirty again. Why do we say, I don't need to go to confession, I'm just going to confess the same things over and over again? We do all these things to keep them under control, because otherwise these small things can become big problems, and our venial sins can become mortal sins if we just slowly disintegrate our resistance to evil. So I think it's important to talk about in the terms of grace that we have to get it regularly and frequently. So I tell the people, when you come to confession, you don't have to have a big list all the time. I say, if you have a mortal sin, yes, confess that right away. But you might say, well, Father, my last confession was a month ago, and since that time, I've committed no serious sins, but I'm still having a problem with patience, or I'm having a problem with gossip, or I'm still, you know, being dishonest at work. Um, and I need God's grace to help me to do better on that. And then we can talk about that one sin. Because when you go to confession, you are obliged to confess all your mortal sins in number and in type and kind. You don't have to confess all your venial sins in number and type. Okay? So a lot of people get bogged down, you know, saying, mm -hmm. I was impatient 27 times, I was uncharitable 37 times, and they get caught up in the numbers game. I say, do the numbers for the mortal sins, and then pick your sin, your venial sin, your fault, that's what venial means, is fault, your fault that you are struggling with. Another thing I like is when our kids in the school come and say, Father, my last confession was three months ago, and since then, I'm doing much better with obedience to my parents but I'm having a bit of a problem with my brother or my sister. And they're always annoying to me. And I say, and that is their job, to be annoying. <laughs> what is your job? But we talk about that then. So I think we have to see confession as the, the medicine chest of the church and that the priest is the spiritual physician of the soul, imitating our Lord, channeling his power, his grace into our hearts through his, his power of absolution. And uh, that's why this, this chapter, this book we're using right now, for our RCI program at St. Paul's is called Essentials of the Faith by Father Alfred McBride, a Norbertine father. It's a really good book. And the chapter we just did this last week was Forgiveness Heals People. We think of getting stuff off our chest, but we don't realize that we need healing so we can go forward. So now you... I'm sorry, I interrupted your, your brilliant question. No, no, question. That, was, that was good. It's raised another, another question yeah. on top of that, um, which we can probably address first. 
in terms of repeat mortal sins then, so for those who are struggling with, um, for a lot of young guys, it's pornography and masturbation. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a mm-hmm. very big mm-hmm. issue. And the more, um, the more it gets played down in TV shows, <coughs> Game of Thrones, things like that, a lot of people go, oh, it's, it's common now. It's No one talks about it, but mm-hmm. everyone knows everyone else is watching it and it's an accepted thing. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of guys falling into sin on a very regular basis and they could be confessing the same sin weekly monthly fortnightly and a lot of them kind of get bogged into this situation how do they get out how do they break that cycle if they're still already going to confession and i have this in my parish i have young men coming to confess this regularly and i would say that porn is a big problem now and not just for the young guys for the married men too Mm. it is a problem i'm hearing it everywhere but i think that guys can get over the embarrassment of it if they realize when they come to the priest that he's heard it before, they're not the first, they won't be the last, and that um, he wants to help. And I have some guys who come weekly to confession, and they are reducing the incidence of this now because they're going to confession regularly. And we go from daily or several times daily to once a week. But that happens through the use of confession, and then it becomes once every two weeks, then becomes once every two and a half weeks. And I think we have to look upon that, again, as St. Augustine said, I'm in the process of being saved, that this is something we have to work on constantly, but we feel better the more we realize we're starting to gain control. And that's what the problem is with pornography and masturbation. It's a problem of lack of self-control. And in our society today, we do not promote self-control. We don't teach our children self-control. Kids are running amok in the supermarkets, on the streets, in the aisles of the churches. No one seems to know how to teach these kids to sit down and shut up, as I always say. (laughs) And um, just to gain self-control. And so, of course, masturbation is going to be a problem with that because we don't have control over anything else now. We don't have control over our drinking. You know, we don't have control of our eating. We don't have control over how much TV we watch, how much screen time we have. You know, we're losing control over so many things. So, of course, you know, this moral problem of masturbation is going to be a problem as well. For those people in those situations, though, I think they often get bogged down feeling very guilty that they are going to confession, but they're still repeating the same sin. So what you're saying is just keep I find they feel better about themselves because they see it's reducing in number and frequency. Yeah. They can see there are results. So it's sort of like when you go to a doctor and you have some illness and he prescribes a medication, you don't get cured the first week or even the first month. He might say, you're going to have to take this medication for six months before you start seeing any results. And we accept that and we will take the medication faithfully. And we are looking forward to when we start seeing it go down, you know, the the occurrence of the illness. So I think we have to realize that too, that confession is not a a once-off thing that you have to, you know, apply to yourself as a medicine regularly. And that way, it is a healing sacrament. And now to cross back to that, um, the other question we had before about in the instance where a priest says it's okay when you're in a state of mortal sin to receive communion and then go to confession directly after Mass. I don't believe in that. I've been told that, Matt's been told that, and neither of us... By a friend recently as well. No, there's only only special situations where you might be doing more damage not to receive communion. And that would be, for example, if you're at a family event like a wedding or a funeral, and if you didn't go to communion, it would raise a lot of questions in people's minds and put you on the spot. In those cases, the church has always said, if you are unable to go to confession at that moment, 
because sometimes you can go to the sacristy before the Mass. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the priest is busy, though. Make a perfect act of contrition. Receive Holy Communion, and then go to confession as soon as possible thereafter. But I know people who will come to Mass, weekday Mass, and then they'll ask to go to confession afterwards. And there was no emergency situation. It's just a regular weekday Mass, and they just like to go to communion. And I say, you received Holy Communion in the state of mortal sin, and there was no reason to do that. There was no pressing you know, problem that you couldn't deal with. So the, it has to be an extraordinary circumstance where you would cause public embarrassment or public scandal, something like that. And that would be almost worse than the sin that you're concealing. Mm -hmm. So that's always what I've been taught. That's what I always tell my people. Don't use that privilege, you know, frequently. It's only for the event where if you're caught out and you are in public and everyone says, why doesn't he go to communion? He always goes to communion, you know, and the family starts asking questions. Is that an issue though? Like, is that, is that not um, humble for the person? Yeah, it's, to me also, it's not as big as issue as when I was young, because when I was young, if you weren't receiving communion, um, you were with a lot of other people who were staying in the pews. You know, and in the past, people went to confession much more frequently, and they didn't go to communion if they hadn't been to confession recently before that Mass. And so at communion time, in a pew of 10 people, maybe two would go to communion. Everybody else would remain in the pew. But now everybody goes up because they can get a blessing. So the thing is there, I've told people, when you go up to get a blessing, if you put your hands over your chest, the people behind you don't see what you're doing. They don't know whether you're actually getting communion or blessing, perhaps. Certainly the people down the line won't see that. I said, so this idea of receiving communion in the state of mortal sin and, and using that privilege of making a perfect act of contrition is very rarely applicable anymore. But again, a lot of people don't know what a perfect act of contrition is. I was taught this when I was a child. A perfect act of contrition is when you're sorry for your sins, not because of God's just punishments and fearing the loss of, of heaven and the pains of hell, but because you are all good, O oh God, and I love you. So we were taught in year two, when we were preparing for our first confession and first communion, um, how to make a perfect act of contrition. And you know, to this day, when I'm on an airplane, if there's turbulence, I say a perfect act of contrition. <laughs> and it's like this, oh my God, I'm heartily sorry for having offended thee, and I detest all my sins because thou art so good and deserving of all my love. I firmly resolve with the help of thy grace to sin no more and to avoid the near occasions of sin. Amen. See, the other form, the longer form, is, Oh my God, I'm heartily sorry for having offended thee. I detest all my sins because of thy just punishments. And some of the forms we say, Because I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell. You know, these forms of, of the act of contrition. So I don't think people know an act of contrition. A lot of them don't. That's why I have a little cheat sheet, a little card for people. You know, But our kids do because they're going to confession four times a year. They, and they say the act of contrition every Friday at the end of the school day before they're going home for the weekend. So they all know the act of contrition. The short form or no, the long it's, form? No, it's a, it's a shorter form, but it's the perfect act of contrition. They don't know the imperfect act of contrition. Yeah, the really short one where yeah. it's over before you blinked. It's, yeah. Well, they say, oh my God, I'm heartily sorry for having offended thee. No, oh my God, I'm very sorry that I've offended you because you are so good. And with the help of your grace, I will not sin again. But you know, again, we don't have the gift of memorization anymore. 
when I was in school, we memorized everything. We had to memorize all 50 states of the American Union and other capitals and their gross national product probably. And we memorized all the kings and queens of England. We memorized all the presidents of the United States. And now no one memorizes anything. So to ask people to memorize a long act of contrition is pretty hard mm -hmm. these days. In the case where someone goes up for a blessing, um, I know... I hate it. A few people won't go up for the blessing because they feel like, oh, what's the point? I'll just uh, ask God for a blessing and I'll stay in the pews. So. That's fine. And I, at weddings and funerals, I tell people, um, the Catholics who are prepared to receive communion may come forward and receive in the usual way. Catholics who are not going to receive and other people who are present may remain in their places and just meditate quietly, or you may come forward for a blessing like this. And when I give them the option, a lot of them are happy to stay in their pew then. So is, it, is that a fairly new thing then, coming up for a blessing? Or yeah, is and that's pretty much an Australian thing. Oh. We don't have it in America. Wow. I was surprised when I came here, and I, I had to say Mass for school. Um, I wasn't in a parish at the time. I was working in the cathedral, but I said Mass for high school. And everybody was coming up, and I thought, well, this is fantastic. You know, all these practicing Catholics <laughs> in this school. And um, then I found out, you know, that most of them weren't even Catholic in the, in the school. And they were coming for communion and um, asking for blessings. And I didn't know what a blessing meant, you know. And so I turned turn to the minister, and said, just give him a blessing. You know, and I said, what? Why? You know, but I, I guess it's this everyone wants to be inclusive here. You know, no, no one feels left out. It's like that idea of every kid in the race gets a prize, you know. It's, a participation it's, award. Yes, yeah, it's just, it's not realistic. You know? No. Um, I think if we, if we discourage that, I can see for parents with little children, they have to bring the child up, they can't leave a child behind the pew. That's one thing. The priest blesses the child. But when a 50-year-old man's coming up asking for a blessing, and he's a Catholic, you know, I think when you see everybody get out of the pews, it takes away the idea that I should be prepared to receive Holy Communion. I should go to confession. Because I know it was an incentive for me on the days when I didn't go to communion and I stayed behind the pew, I felt bad. Mm -hmm. And I reminded myself, you gotta go to confession on Saturdays so and go to communion next Sunday. Yeah. We don't have that incentive anymore. How do you find then with the, um, with the school, because you're, you're attached here to a school, yeah. um, arguably the school you're attached with is doing more than what a lot of other schools would be we doing. We are, we yeah. have mass every week. Um, I go into the classrooms every Tuesday and we have a prayer service that the kids prepare. I teach catechism, a catechism that I've written myself for First Confession, First Communion and Confirmation. I teach it myself to the children. Um, we have hymn singing to prepare the hymns for the Mass the coming weekend. Um, the kids know prayers. They say a decade of the rosary um, every Monday and in October and May they pray the whole rosary. We have Stations of the Cross. They know all the hymns and responses for benediction of the Blessed Sacrament. My altar servers and the kids, they all know how to do incense. You know, it's a re real cat. They all get the scapular every year. We had enrollment in the scapular of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. So I've run it the way I used to do things in America. And it's been brilliant. It works out really well. And so how do you see the attendance rate from the kids at the school coming to Mass? Many, many more families. You know, this is an important thing. If the priest is present in the school on a regular basis, the kids get to know him and the parents see him. Because I'm there at the beginning of the day. I'm there at the end of the day. I see all the parents picking their kids up or dropping them off. And um, they're not afraid then to come to church. Now, we have a very good ratio of, of school families that come to, the, to Mass at the parish. Mm. This parish has more than tripled in size in the last nine years. Years. And I attribute a lot of it to the fact that I'm involved in the school. Yeah, no, it's a very, it's a very interesting point. Um, it's, it's great to see that the kids can bring the faith back to their families. And the good there. thing is, too, at confession time, the kids aren't afraid to go to confession to me. Even when we have visiting priests, a lot of adults prefer to go to the visiting priest 
but the kids want to come to confession to me to their parish priest and so that's a great thing you know what's it called when the the priest doesn't remember is that is that a grace that the priest is given when they're ordained oh yeah i worried about that before i was ordained i said to an older priest i mean it's about the month before i was ordained a priest said how do you cope with all the people's sins and having all that on your mind he says he said one of the graces is you will forget it all the moment that person walks out your mind goes blank and it's true and people will sometimes come to me because we have so many coming regularly and they'll say, oh, Father, remember the last time in confession what I told you? I said, no, I don't remember. Refresh my mind. Oh, yeah, you're the murderer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. How many murders have you committed since then? Okay. Um, no, but I find that that's true because if I had to remember everything, I would never sleep at night. And I'd also be going, the body of Christ, you murderer. The body of Christ, you arsonist. The body of Christ, you bank robber. <laughs> so it is a grace, a particular grace given to the priests. Yeah, okay. What if you do get a, like the case of, like say, you know, you get, you get a, someone who's confessing a serious crime sort of thing? Because I know like the government in Australia wants to remove the, um, the sanctity of confession. The seal of the confessional, yeah. yeah. Seal of confession. That's not going to happen. I mean, they can make all the laws they want. They've already passed laws like this in a couple of states in Australia. Yeah. The priests aren't going to do it. That's one thing. All the priests, liberal or conservative, are united on. We yeah. will not break the seal of confession. I told my people from the pulpit, I'd rather go to prison. Just send me my magazine subscriptions. I'll be quite happy. <laughs> they all laughed. <laughs> but um, now, the government can't do that. And that's an infringement upon freedom of religion. But um, we very rarely hear any serious sins, yeah. anything like that. Criminals are not the type they're going to feel guilty and go to confession. You know, they're criminals because there's something wrong with their psyche that makes them think that what they're doing is okay. That's why they break into people's houses. And all, many of these people, too, are drug addicts now. and They're looking for money. Um, with the sex crimes, those people think they're, they're okay. They don't think they're doing anything wrong, especially people who've had sex with children. They think they're loving children or think they're teaching children how to you know, have sex, things like that. If you ever read the transcripts of any of these trials, you see these people are really mentally demented. And so they're not the type that go to confession. But if they go to confession, I doubt that they're going to go to their own parish. They'll go somewhere else. If they go to confession, they're not going to go face to face. They're going to go behind the screen. So how would the priest be able to reveal the name of a person who confessed a sex crime or some other serious crime, bank robbery, whatever? How can he reveal to the police the person if he can't see the person, if he can't identify the person by voice because it's not from his parish? I know if I committed a serious sin, I'd be going to another diocese to confess. <laughs> <laughs> On, on that, as a I suppose, as a last note, the the curtain, the um the the screen or the curtain, the screen, yeah. yeah. A lot of churches don't have that, and they just have the chair facing the priest. So you no, they're supposed to provide both. Church law mandates that the people have the right to confess anonymously or face to face. So in our church, there is a fixed screen, a part of a wall, and they can kneel behind that, and I can't see them coming in. I can only see them when they go past that screen and sit down in front of me. But what I laugh at is people come past the screen, parishioners. And they'll say, oh, Father, are you here? You know, okay. And then they go around behind the screen. And I'll say, come back in the chair. I've already seen you. <laughs> but just let me mention once um, about the sex thing. I've only heard a case of sexual abuse once. That was, I was a priest for three years, I think, the third year of my priesthood. And it was the father of a family. And he abused one of his own children. And he came to me. He was just torn up about this. And um, we talked a long time about it. His wife knew, um, and 
stages to know what they were going to do. But I made him come to confession weekly for a year without receiving absolution. And he could not go to Holy Communion. And he had to go to a counselor. I said, I want to know who the counselor is. I want a letter from the counselor. Or um, every, because I didn't know who the person was. It was behind the screen. Um, I said, I want a letter from the counselor um, that he is seeing this person in question. Um, and I don't have to know what you're talking about, but I want a letter on letterhead every month for, for a year. And um, then at the end of the year, then come back and then we'll talk about it. And I said, and you and your wife need to go to the counselor as well. It was a process again, you know, but in the end, it was really resolved very well. The family was able to stay together and the man was reconciled to the church. But I've talked to a lot of priests about this and I'm the only one who's ever heard a confession like this. Out of dozens of priests at meetings that I've talked, we don't hear this. So the media likes to pretend that this is happening all the time and the priests are refusing to reveal this to the police. We just don't hear it. Mm -hmm. So I've been a priest 37 years and I've heard one confession 34 years ago and it wasn't from you know a priest or anybody, it was from a father of a family. And this is what we forget, that 88% of all sex abuse cases occur in families. And that is one of the little big things that we don't want to talk about in our society. I mean, it could be members of parliament who are doing it to their own children. But they don't want this kind of thing in a royal commission. Because it would be hugely difficult for our society to grasp that our preoccupation with pornography, with masturbation, with, you know, um, very, you know, difficult movies and TV shows. They have a lot of sex scenes that titillate us. Why do we want to be titillated all the time? Why do we enjoy all these programs? Why do we eschew movies that are G because they're going to be boring because they're for children? And at the same time, we are, you know, decrying all this, you know, sex abuse going on. The problem is not the church, the problem is society. And this is the big little thing that we have to you know, talk about. And just as a last question, Father, I think Matt had one, uh, quite a good one. It was just asking about when are your sins actually forgiven? Yeah, yeah. just a little explaining for that one. Because like, once the, the prayer of absolution is said in confession, that's when sort of the clean feeling comes in. I don't know, I'm sure, Tom, you've experienced that, that, you know, that lightness. Like a vacuum cleaner comes yeah. in. No. <laughs> like you pull the plug in the sink and all the water yeah, goes it's, down it's the drain. Gone. Yeah. It, yeah, I think it's the relevance of the, um, if you don't say your penance afterwards, I think, yeah. does that void the yeah. absolution in yeah. any way? Okay, yeah. um, and you met, said if you don't say your penance, I would say if you don't do your penance, because the penance might be an action. Yeah. I like to give actions a lot of times, you know. Ooh, like um, what? Well, for example, for the kids, if they're fighting at home or they're disobeying, I'll say for your penance when you go home. I want to, I've said first say an Our Father for your dad, a Hail Mary for your mom, one glory be for each of your siblings, okay? And then when you go home, I want you to go and tell your mom you're sorry that you've been disobedient and ask her if there's anything you can do. Ask her, don't wait to be told 50 times. For the adults, for the men, I'll say, I want you to get some flowers for your wife. Not her birthday, it's not her anniversary, it's an odd time, but just get her some flowers and go and wrap her in your arms and say, I love you. For the wife, I'll say, why don't you make your husband his favorite meal this week, you know, and then say, I love you. Thank you for being a good husband and father. You know, sometimes we have to do things to really concretize our sorrow and to make good on, on these things. But, you know, if you go to confession, you're given a penance, prayers or actions, and then you don't do it, the question is, why didn't you do it? Did you refuse to do it or did you forget to do it or could you not do it because it was too difficult? In any case, the confession is not invalid unless you went in confession 
knowing you were not going to do the penance. Because part of the intention of confession is to confess your sins and to do penance. But I sometimes, if I give people a penance as an action, or even something else, say, I want you to say a rosary for your confession, um, and I'll say, can you do that? I'll often ask them first, can you do that? And if they say, oh, I'd find that kind of difficult, then I'll say, well, we'll change it. What can you do? So sometimes we have to give them a penance that is doable, that is reachable. But if you go to confession and you receive the penance and you forget to do the penance, or you just don't do it, not out of malice, but because you just decided you weren't going to do it, your absolution is still valid. But now, if you decided you weren't going to do it, you've committed a sin. You have to confess that sin in your next confession, that you just were disobedient to the priest. I've had once while people come to me and say, um, I didn't do my penance um, because I just couldn't get around to it or whatever. And, it was, and um, we talk about it and then I'll decide whether or not it was really willful or not. But some people just forget their penance. Yeah. Then they confess that. And I say, if you forgot it, it's not a sin. Some people just say, oh, I didn't like the penance. They go to another priest. I didn't like the penance the priest gave me, so I didn't do it. <laughs> I said, well, I'll give you twice as bad. <laughs> no, um, if you have the intention to do the penance, that's what's important at the time of the absolution. Father Tim, thank you so much for joining us today on The Little Big Things to talk to us about the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And we just ask now if you could please close us off with a prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus into our world to be our Savior. We thank you for all the graces that we receive through the sacraments which he established for our church. Help us to appreciate the sacraments, especially this sacrament of penance, of confession, of reconciliation, of healing, and of peace, and to apply it regularly as a good medicine for our souls so that we might be healed, that we might receive your forgiveness, and we might live in your peace. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. If you like what you just heard and want to find out more or get in contact with Matt and Tom, jump on Facebook and follow The Little Big Things and there you can find links, contact info and updates. We'd love for you to get involved, so flick us a message or an email and let's talk about The Little Big Things.